0: Test,
1: test, test. Test, test. One,
0: two. Test, test. Alright, so here we are. Vienna, Austria. We're sitting at the Hyatt Hotel um, in the living room. Cigar lounge. I came in here earlier today. I got a flight catching tonight. It's been a great weekend in, in Vienna. And um, came in here. Had to go to the bathroom. I, I saw a man in the corner. I said, hey, can I trust you? He said, What? Oh, yeah, okay. Can you just watch my stuff? I'm going to go to the bathroom. Anyways, we ended up starting to talk, and I said, Hey, come on the podcast we're doing. He's got an interesting story. Um, I need your name again.
1: My name is Regil.
0: Regil. Regil, R E G I L. R G L. Okay, awesome. Yeah, well, great guy. He's got an awesome story, and he's going to kind of shoot you guys a quick background.
1: Um, so, like I said, my name's is Regil Frias, the last name, F R I A S. I was uh, originally born in the Dominican Republic. I uh, moved to New York City when I was uh, nine years old and lived in the same neighborhood most of my life in Harlem, which is now uh, one of the coolest neighborhoods to live in, mm-hmm. kind of gentrification and stuff like that. So we we have a bunch of bars now, restaurants, it's pretty clean, pretty cool. Not what you're used to seeing in movies. So um,
0: You guys start the trends in Harlem. Oh, always. Trend starters. Always,
1: trend starters. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, I'm in grad school now. I was selected uh, to come here as a... As an ambassador, I guess, for Long Island University in Brooklyn, to help immigrant children in Vienna uh, become more fluent in English conversation, basically. So they do have the fundamentals already; they have grammar, they have uh, some language, but they're not uh, they're not very fluid so uh, or fluent. And I'm here to help them out with that, just teach them uh, basic conversation, uh, stuff like that. Yeah, I've
0: noticed that being around, you know, the Ubers and then talking to the locals, they. They can understand english but they always say hey slow down slow down buddy yeah. so they have to really kind of to, to hear it and catch on to it you just gotta take a deep breath and and they're not as quick exactly and uh, they understand a lot of context so yeah. if you tell them a story they'll
1: understand everything you're saying but if you use uh quick uh colloquial terms like we would say back home it's very hard for them to understand so uh I'm trying to teach them a few things, a few of those and stuff. So so
0: you got hooked up with the
1: Great Grand Program, right? I did, yeah, I did. Uh, so I'm actually not even a teacher. I've never worked in the school system. Okay. I'm uh, studying to be a school psychologist. This is my last year coming up. I have um, I've uh, always owned my own business since I was 18 years old, my brother and I. Really? Um, yeah, we own an uh, event carpeting business. So we install carpets for the, you know, premieres, movie premieres, uh, weddings, bar mitzvahs back home, stuff like that. We are part of the... Uh, installation team that takes part in installing the Met Gala really yeah oh so you've seen all
0: the big timers oh, huh we've
1: been around we've been around and my brother alex and i we um we do a lot of jobs so yeah yeah we, we um, we move around but i felt like it wasn't it was gratuitous it wasn't uh rewarding basically my job okay you know i do i see a lot of things i i see a lot of events i see a lot of famous people but I wasn't really getting anything out of it. The money's very good, uh, and I have a ton of time off, but uh, I feel like it was just that work. Yeah. And uh, since, I was a, since I was a kid, I always wanted to be a teacher. Uh, but um, I don't know one teacher that says that they're, they're happy because they love what they're doing, but they're never really satisfied. I was introduced to uh, the school psychology department. Okay. Uh, what school psychologists do, does is basically determine how, a ch- determine how a child learns. So if you have uh, learning difficulties, whether it be with math or you're on the uh, autism spectrum or you have uh, poor reading skills or just poor cognitive skills overall, we create what's called an individualized education plan for you. And we try to match you with other peers that
0: learn similarly to how you do. Yeah. And we
1: create a more um, natural atmosphere where you can
0: learn as best as you can. So making a difference, that's what you want to do, huh? Trying, that's us
1: try. Little by little,
0: one of our big things we talk about here on Bull perception is uh, how good it feels and how much it comes back to you when you give to others. And it's you know, and getting out of the selfish bubble and actually trying to make a difference and and do good in the world. It feels good. It does.
1: It's it's just like uh, you know when you first have a cup of coffee in the morning mm-hmm. that you get that warmth all over you. That's exactly what it feels like. <laughs> totally. It sounds uh, corny as hell, <sighs> but uh, there is there is a there's a um, satisfaction uh, to it. Cool. Yeah. 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 So they got you in a hostel. They, they <laughs> stuck you in a hostel, huh? Yeah, man. Never been in a hostel in my life. I'm making the best of it. It's pretty cool. I'm rooming with some pretty cool people, and uh, it's only two per room. But uh, we don't even really have pots and pans. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but it's cool because the food here is great anyway. So it's pretty international. I've had Italian. I've had Turkish. I've had. A, I actually yeah. had Venezuelan arepas the other day at a festival. So uh, it's pretty international. Which festival, so yeah? Uh, down in the uh, Canal. Right on the canal okay okay and i heard about a, that they had a, a a couple of bands performing and they had a bunch of food trucks laid out yeah and the food was amazing pork, pork arepas tacos uh schnitzel uh american burgers everything everything it felt like a regular like a big parking lot back home
0: oh.
1: yeah, just next to the danube river
0: <laughs> awesome yeah I, did you see the there's a i was stumbling in the town last night and uh there's a huge Opera, opera concert. Yeah. So,
1: did you see that? Yeah, I was there. Free? Can you believe that? Yeah. The,
0: uh, the the Viennese uh, Philharmonic man playing for free
1: for the people in, in, uh, outside in front of the um, the opera house. That was pretty cool.
0: It was amazing. And then, so I was on the right next to the concert stage, mm-hmm. and then they're all singing, they're clapping. All of a sudden, they flip the lights around, and in the hotel behind me There's that man. Doing the singing, yeah. And it was right. I was right there. So oh, I was recording. Man, was, that was
1: cool. So you yeah. were there all night,
0: almost. You were there after the sun went down. Uh, ah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was pretty
1: cool. Yeah, I was. We were walking on around there yesterday. Uh, did you check out this beer fest right here? Yep, I, oh, I was, was at that night? yesterday. Yeah, it's been going on since Wednesday. I think. Uh, I think I gained an extra twelve pounds this week on beer <laughs> alone.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. But uh, yeah, let's uh, kind of get into. Uh, what do you want to hit first? Uh, kind of experiences of the whole carpet business, the well, theme. Well, well, first, first take us into what it. What's like a typical Austri- Austrian dish? Like you said, you've been trying a lot of food since you got there. What, yeah. are, like, what are some, what are traditional for over there? Hey, FYI, we got a uh, Desmond. He couldn't quite make the the trip this week into Vienna, so we have him on the Facetime. He's on the phone right below us, Absolutely. and he's plugged in, and uh, it's uh it's interesting setup here. But we're bringing you guys into the experiences, and anyways, food. All right, it's uh well they
1: their typical dish here is a schnitzel, which is basically what we know back home as a uh, chicken cutlet, breaded right cool. chicken cutlet. Uh, it used to be made with veal, which is uh, uh, a young cow. But just for uh, humane reasons, they stopped making it like that. They uh, they don't think it's fair to kill a, a young animal. Uh, so they started uh, making it with sh- uh, uh, chicken now. It's pretty good. It's all right. Uh, so they have a lot of potatoes, salads, which they call rabbit food here. Adequate <laughs> names. <laughs> <laughs> um, and always beer. Oh, man, you, people have beer here at 9 o'clock in the morning. Oh yeah. I feel right at home.
0: Yeah, <laughs> they cut you going.
1: Beer, gin, tonic, and scotch, and cigars all over the place. Yeah, so which am living a good life over there. Oh, man, you got it. Can't complain.
0: Speaking can't. of it, yeah, so I was about to buy a cigar here at the at the lounge, and my guy's like, hey, you, you smoke? I said, damn right, I smoke. And he whips out his uh, portable humidor and, and uh, throws me a, uh, a rare is, cigar from Dominican, right, from, yeah. from your homeland. Yeah, so this is called La Galera, 80th anniversary by um,
1: Tabacalera La Palma. It's located in um, the Civao Valley in the Dominican Republic it's owned by a guy named Jorge Blanco so he does a lot of his uh, master blending himself and all that and a uh, pretty interesting guy I um, I saw it at an event I saw him at an event in New York City before I, uh, I mean, before I came over here he just he loves his job he's been making cigars for big companies for a very long time and he just said one day why don't I do this for myself totally. he owns the land he knows the people that, that grow the stuff so mm-hmm. he just said he started blending his own cigars, and they took off immediately. That's awesome. It's, actually, it's tasty. It's, it's tasty. It's good, yeah. And it's actually not an ex- I was telling um, Nick here that it's not an expensive steak. It's, you know, most, uh, you buy a Cuban here, you're going to spend 25 euros. But uh, this cigar online will probably costs you 10 or $12. So, I mean, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. You've been a
0: cigar smoker for a
1: while uh so i have not i've been smoking for about two years my brother used to work for a cigar company way back before we started our business and i used to you know puff here and there a few dominicans and stuff but never like i am now like i everywhere i go everywhere on everywhere vacation i bring a i have a cigar locker that holds about 20 cigars plus my portable
0: and i'm always i try to find places like this because you always meet interesting it. people I'm always networking yeah, yeah. that's yeah. the big yeah. thing about Cigar lounges. First of all, it's the people you meet networking, but I've always said it's a form of meditation. You know, you just sit, you relax, your problems go up in the smoke. Do you feel the same way? Yeah, I do, I do.
1: This is not something, this this isn't a cigarette, Mm -hmm. where you're, oh man, I only have five minutes, let me run down and puff, 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 and go back up. This is If you don't have an hour for a cigar, you shouldn't even light it. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's great, you can have it with coffee, with a nice drink. Uh, you're not supposed to drink cigars with beer, but I do all the time. I guess I'm not. I don't have proper etiquette. <laughs> but yeah, no, this is amazing. This is, you always meet great people with
0: cigars. So totally. Someone
1: always has a great story.
0: hmm. Yeah, so. like you got yours today. It's awesome yeah. to meet you. So, um, you said, let's get in that entrepreneurial spirit, because that's awesome. So, you said you started a, a business with your brother. Yeah. Can, you, can you bring us through that, why you did it, you know, how it went, the experiences?
1: Sure. So, um, I grew up in New York City in the 90s. So, uh, You know, I didn't know what I wanted to do after school. All the way, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I didn't know what I wanted to do after high school. And uh, my brother used to have his own carpet installing company. He was just a subcontractor. So he'd subcontract out to big companies and just do the uh, residential installations. We came in together. We were doing that for about 10 or 12 years. And um, one day we're purchasing carpet somewhere. And someone asked, hey, can you you install a wedding for me? I'm like, a wedding? Well, they help with carpet in a wedding? So, we installed the wedding. Other people started asking us for a number. And one thing led to another. We went from one wedding to a bar mitzvah, from a bar mitzvah to another wedding, to a bat mitzvah, to uh, um, some some uh, charity events. And one, thing, one client led to another. And now that's all we do. So, I've managed school. I manage the company. I also do installations and stuff with my brother. Uh, so... But, yeah, we've been working for ourselves since I was 18 years old. I'm 38 now. So, and I only took a job whenever I was bored. I've never really had the need to work for anyone else. It's awesome. Um, I always just did it. I said, you know, job is slow. Our job is cyclical. So um, usually January, the, the summer months are very slow. So I would go ahead and look for a job and say, um, hey, can I work here? And usually when they saw my resume, which was one job and managing it for a long time, it was great. It's yeah. usually what big companies like so i uh through that i learned to do many things i was a salesman furniture salesman uh stocks bonds um uh, what, what did i sell no renaissance man i tried, trying a uh, a barista i used to work uh, yeah as a, i'm eli certified as a barista i done that <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i worked I in... Uh, i worked in um the only thing I've never done that I said I would never do is moving, a movie man.
0: Oh, that's tough.
1: Yeah, but uh, I, I've worked uh, since I was about seventeen, off and on, until about twenty-five. I did the uh, I was a court attendant at the U.S. Open during the summer months, so I did that. That's how I got into tennis, and um, yeah, that's pretty much it. But I'm always selling. I'm either selling myself, selling something, selling. But it, I'm overall selling myself. I'm selling my company, my thoughts, my ideas, you know, so that I. So that I can create not just a client, but I can create a friend. And anything else that, I, that you need, for example, that I can't quite get you, maybe I know someone else that can do it for you. And, uh, and, I, and I try to develop relationships, not just uh, customers.
0: It's amazing how uh, ahead of the curve you are, because nowadays with that crazy student debt bubble, people are just trying to get degrees. You actually went out there and learned in the real world, met people, connected. You, know, you put your bootstraps on and did it yourself. Yeah, yeah. No, I am... Uh,
1: I don't know if I'm supposed to say this is a school psychology. Yeah, I was going to say, because you got into school. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm uh, I'm not a big fan of college and universities, not immediately at least. Uh, you ask any kid back home, what do you want to do in two years when you graduate? And 95% of them will tell you they don't But they all want to go to college. But you ask them, why do you want to go to college? That's so what well, you're go, supposed to parents, do. Exactly. My parents went to college. That's what we're supposed to do. Yeah, but what are you going to do when you get there? Oh, I'm going to liberal arts. Yeah. I'm going to be a writing major. I'm going to do, I'm like, wait. And you want to make a living? Yeah. Know you want to the make street? money? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I actually, um, this is probably going to be a great int- introduction to the Austrian school system right here, because um, here they have a different system. They do, at the same time, academic and vocational training. So children here are learning academics and also learning a trade. Uh, you only have to go to school in Austria till you're about 14 years old. Really? You have the option to go to work after that. Uh, so lead- kids graduate... The middle school, the eighth grade, which they call the fourth grade here, uh, with, a, with, a, with a trade. So mm-hmm. they um, they can actually go to work and do things. A lot of them are mostly blue-collar, but, you know, blue-collars make the most money back home, yeah. if you think about it. They don't have that, but mm-hmm. they go to a technical school for 18 months. You come mm-hmm. out, of, uh, you work for Harley-Davidson, you work on boats, you work on, um, uh, you're an electrician, a plumber, which I admire. I admire, I admire those people tremendously, man, because without, work. You, can't, you can't keep a home without it. You know, and people people kind of, like, uh, look down on them. People kind of, like, don't respect blue-collar workers, but have a flood or a, or a power outage at 3 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, You'll think they're God.
0: Yeah. Well, it's cool. I'm in the real estate industry back home, my, my father. Mm. And, obviously, you did the carpeting in the events. You realize all that, those electricians, those plumbers, people that do the contracting work, how... You know complicated, it really is. Yeah. It's not easy.
1: It's not easy. It,
0: it, imagine an
1: electrician, man. Imagine trying to wire this place. This, yeah. this building must be 120 years old. At least. Imagine trying to
0: wire this place in the early 1900s when electricity became a thing. Well, then when the buildings are built and you got to rewire in, in the future, how hard is that? Exactly. you yeah, can't so ruin it because it's historic. Right, and yeah, it, you can. And here
1: they're very big on facade. Like you cannot change the facade. You have to keep it as, uh, as original as it's been for as long as possible. So imagine working around that. You know, it takes it takes a lot of skill and a lot of time and a lot of knowledge. So I respect blue collar workers all the way, but yeah, I am. For many years, I didn't know what I wanted to do, and that uh, at about 34, 35, somebody spoke to me about school psychology, and um, I said, "Wow, I could actually I could actually work with kids one on one. I test them. I uh, I do cognitive testing, which just is determining their IQ." I determine how they learn, why they learn, why they learn a certain way, why can't they comprehend reading? Why are you a visual learner an auditory learner? And I, uh, like I said, I create a lesson plan for that, and I make it, um,
0: I make it work. I make it so that you can graduate high school and uh, and and, uh, and and make a living. Can you go through the different types of personalities and peoples and how you figure out how to make that plan? What they're they're learning and that kind of area? Yeah. Could you go through how you make a plan?
1: All right. So it takes a whole team. So what we have in America is. That We have three tiers in America. So the first tier is classroom interventions, right? So uh, that's teachers, teachers, um, resource teachers, anybody, even your gym teacher that sees you kind of like behaving differently, or or that you have poor social skills or anything, anything that interrupts your learning. So that's the first plan. So it goes to the second. When that, when you have, um, when you've performed everything you can in the classroom that you don't, you know, it's still not working. You go into the second plan, which is more intensive. Uh, one-on-one tutoring and stuff like that, and then you go. I am the last, the last refuge, I guess. I, no kid should come to me unless you've exhausted all other means. Really? In the school. Yeah. The plan is to not classify kids. Like I don't want you to be have a classification of a uh, of uh, learning disabled or or anything like that because I want you to be as average as possible. And uh, I know it might sound weird calling your kid average, but you want your child to be like 95% of the population. Normal. Yeah. yeah like normal. not, not yeah. mental issues. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, once it gets to me to the third tier is, uh, where I do the classification. So basically we have a whole team, uh, regular class, general ed classroom teacher, a, uh, special ed teacher, school counselor, a psychologist, and what's called in some districts, the, uh, uh, committee on special education, okay. uh, the chair, uh, we go over the kids records. We, uh um, there's different tests that we perform on uh, cognitive exams. Uh, most of them are created here in Europe. A lot of them are now. Uh, are now there's a few that, that, that are being made in America as well. And they basically go through what a child should know at a certain age. Like, you as a 15-year-old kid in New, in New Jersey should know exactly what another kid at 15 knows in California. Yeah. And that's say they norm the, the tests. And from there, we determine. So it consists of uh, cognitive tasks, Consists of uh, manual manip- manipulation tasks, reading tasks, rapid scanning. Can you look, can you see something on a page and answer a question? Oh, yeah. And then once that's done, we get a battery of scores, uh, and uh, we put that together and we determine that the child either has difficulties in learning, uh, in reading, math, social skills. Are they um, are they anxious? Are they do they have um, do they have emotional issues? And from there, we classify them in different ways. Are they on the spectrum, uh, the autism spectrum? Are they high functioning, low functioning? Are they just an average kid that's, that doesn't have the right amount of motivation? So from there, we put them in the right setting. And hopefully, that, that, that we can we can provide everything they need to, uh, to graduate with a high school diploma. Help them thrive. Yeah. And they also get assistance throughout. Uh, so most kids with an IEP go on to, or they get declassified, um, a lot of these kids
0: go to community colleges first, and then which is genius because it's so much. It's the same thing the generals, and it's way cheaper than going to university. And then if you really want to get that uh, college experience and live in the dorm, just get a freaking apartment near a big. Go to a JUCO near a big, uh, big uh, university, and you can go party all you want. Exactly, but yeah, save money. In, yeah. Instead of yeah. throwing 50 racks a, a oh, semester, God, you can t- spend three grand on, on a full semester of junior college classes. And I know when I when I finish this master's program, I'm going to be at least 100k in that.
1: It's going to take me a few years to pay that and back. And that's fascinating
0: because you're, you're making this money, you're doing a lot of cool stuff with your own entrepreneurial business, but then you had to go get the degree, and you really, what, it drew you to help people because you weren't getting it out of the, the entrepreneurial side? Exactly. So I, um, I've i
1: always wanted to do something, brother. My mother taught me that as a, at a young age. Oh, do, just do something for someone else, you know, without looking back. Just if someone needs help. Give it to them. I, uh, we we up very poor in the Dominican Republic. They say that I was not. I'm the uh, the last of four kids. So they say that I was not the poor one. You know, because uh, there was a little. There was more uh, the hand-me-down uh, clothes. Exactly. Too, yeah. All. So I had it. I had all the good stuff. But you know, my mother was a very, very, very um, big advocate of helping others. So it just it was right. It was in me to just want to help people. And ultimately, I want to open up a center somewhere where I can help parents and children. Because uh, the problem is um, most of most classified kids. Are in poorer neighborhoods, and uh, a lot of parents don't know what a classification is, or or how that helps their child. So I want to open up a center at some point that can help parents educate parents and how to navigate the school systems and later on the college system so that they can have children that are well prepared. Basically, but yeah, it wasn't it wasn't gratifying. I guess is the word what I was doing. And once uh, somebody told me about uh, school psychology, like I said before. It just made me, it opened my eyes, and I said, this is exactly what I want to do. I can work one-on-one, so we do counseling also. We work one-on-one with kids. So if you have a, some, some sort of emotional disturbance, you can come to me for an hour a week or every day. I haven't We have an open door policy, uh, pretty much. So you can come to me, speak about anything that's bothering you. Everything stays within the, the office. Uh, and our kids just, they have a place to vent. Really? And, yeah.
0: Wow. That's yeah. It's cool. You yeah, actually, I, I respect it a lot. <laughs> yeah. Did you even know there was a
1: school psychologist in your school when you were growing up? Uh, I, I knew the counselors, but I didn't know yeah. there was a psychologist. There's a, yeah, because neither that I when somebody told me, I went. I said, what? There's a school. There's a psychologist in here that I, that people can talk to. And in hindsight, I remember uh, a lot of my friends probably would have needed something like that when they were in high school and junior high school. Probably would have helped. I personally want to work in the junior high school ages. That's a huge uh, range
0: right there. Yeah. As people start growing up, you know, their bodies yeah. and all the peer pressure. And it's a yeah, great I mean, way to, to catch it before yeah. it gets too bad going exactly. into high school. Exactly. I feel like that that particular range
1: there is where you get lost. Uh, you know, your, your, your parents think you're big enough to know better, but you're not intelligent enough to know better, you know, because you haven't been exposed. You haven't seen anything. So if, uh, this is mostly when kids, when you hear kids falling into drugs or gangs and stuff because someone older just... Uh, Courses them or brings them into that kind of lifestyle, and they think it's cool because they want to emulate the older kids. So, so uh, fit I wanna, in, yeah, It's
0: yeah. fascinating. So yeah. you said you have uh, how many years left to this master's? One year? One year? One year. Uh, my internship year. So this is the big year, and I was
1: fortunate enough since I'm, uh, I live in New York City. I was fortunate enough to get what's called the uh, to uh, classify that classify. I'm sorry to be. Uh, Selected for what's called as the PIT, Psychologist and Training, which is basically a stipend offered by the New York City Department of Education to uh, bilingual school psychologists to work in um, in neighborhoods where they needed the most. So uh, they, uh, as I start, once I start in September, they will give me a, a teacher starting salary, uh, retirement packages, the whole deal. So I'll be able to work my last year. Not like
0: most interns where they have to pay everything out of pocket, I'll actually be receiving a salary. Oh, good. So, yeah. good. Yeah, it's pretty cool.
1: Awesome. And you're obviously
0: over in Europe. First time, too. So you got this whole gig out of it.
1: Have you seen it? What have you all seen here so far? Uh, I've seen uh, most of the first district, which is pretty cool. I don't know if you guys know what the first district is. This is basically where Vienna started many, many years ago. This is where all the wealthy people live. Actually, this is where the monarchy lived way back when. Habsburg. The, the Habsburgs. This is where they made their castles. They. Uh, they basically had a ring around their castle and that's now known as the first district every other district after that is, uh, has their own names and numbers and stuff but this is where it's at this is uh I wouldn't even know how to uh, equate this to anything in the states cuz it's, it's unbelievable, it's, unbelievable. It's, it's it's everything it's like times square and and the west village and you know it's all the rich neighborhoods and touristy neighborhoods back home all in one package yeah so it's 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 ritzy. it's also it's it's, it's elegant you can see uh, uh,
0: a very cheap car right next to a 500,000 euro car. So it's definitely it's definitely different. Yeah. It's, I was going, so I went to the Hamburg, the the palace right here, or the castle. What is it?
1: So, France Joseph's right here. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that is unbelievable. Yeah, I went to that, but then I went to the the summer residence, sh-
1: the, f- the, the shrimp room.
0: Just got back from there. Oh, I mean, that blew God. my
1: mind. 1,400 it, rooms.
0: Yeah. It's just, and then uh, the Saint Stephen's Cathedral. I went to the catac- catacombs yeah. underneath. I haven't yeah. been
1: able to do that yet, but that's definitely on my list.
0: Fascinating, how many dead bodies are down yeah. there in the, the oh, Black Plague, cold. and yeah. But just uh, when you, I love history. I love seeing all this stuff. But it's amazing to me how, and maybe a psychologist can speak on this. How. Someone could be attained that level of power and that level of kind of vanity, and this is I run everything because they really like gods on yeah, yeah, the way they live. Yeah, I actually think every time I walk into those places, I'm like, no one should live like this. It's un- It's, it's un- at nuts. what
1: cost did these people build this? I yeah. always say when I go to those places, I always, have you been to the uh, the Belvedere Palace? Mm-hmm. So, the Belvedere Palace was a gift to uh, Eugene of Savoy, he was a French uh, general that, that he was not. I hope I don't, I'm not getting this mixed up, but he was not—he was too short to fight with the French army. Okay. So he came here to Austria. It turns out he was a great leader in the in the field, and they gifted him a palace. <laughs> this is ridiculous. This palace is—it's like massive monuments. It's unbelievable. It's 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 just something breathtaking. It's beautiful. It's it's just elegant. It's 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 insane. And it, you know, you you
0: see these places, and you're like, how the hell do people live like this? Yeah, jeez, he's showing me a picture right now, and it's just, and the it's lawns are—they have like hundred gardeners, like the the gardens in the Schonbrunn. Scho- yeah, I mean, yes. it's just it goes on and on, and and the, it's a monument to the you know humans and building that stuff. But I mean, it's it really makes you think. Like, and this isn't just—I uh, mean, here's pretty special Vienna, but it's everywhere in Everywhere, it's I everywhere mean, Europe, people yeah. were just living insanely. While you know the peasants were on the side, and yeah. and it's fascinating how. These people can get to that level of power and yeah. that level of respect and leader of men. And so it, he, it's here in Austria, sorry to interrupt you, they say uh, they they um
1: there's a comment. <laughs> it's pretty funny that the the whole world fights, the Austrians married. So uh, That's what the Haskers did, yeah, they gain yeah. all their power. Yeah, so while Political everybody stuff. was killing each other, they would marry their sons and their daughters with wealthy uh, uh, aristocrats and different in different parts of europe and at one point they basically they were the monarchy of europe yep they ran every single spain they yes, had a bunch of spain, spain france so uh, you know they it was right before the um they lost france because of the uh the, the, the french revolution no, but napoleon Mar- marie antoinette was of Habsburgs. she's here yeah. from here you know she, she got married off to a uh, french because she couldn't give uh she couldn't provide a boy but it's, and she, she well, she, she was killed
0: in, in uh, during the French Revolution. She uh, they cut her head off, but somebody unbelievable. Was it eat the cake? Yeah, girl, let them eat cake. Yeah, but it's <laughs> but, yeah. it's fascinating too. These Europe European families, they're all related, and when they're all going to war, they were like first cousins and brothers, and it's like that makes you think. Yeah, like, There's yeah. something weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and it's all
1: power. It's like um, I don't. I'm not a big Game of Thrones fan. I just don't watch it. I've but, never seen it either. but if you, if, I'm sure a lot of people are going to be able to understand. It's just
0: it's basically power. I want to wow. rule everything. So and that's basically what they do saw. Do you um, have some psychologists uh, um, uh, about the power and why we humans we crave that and we want it? And it's survival of the fit, evolution. Well, it's I. Uh, I had a really, really good teacher in college, and um, he. I, I honestly, I'm gonna. He's
1: gonna kill me. But I remember we made a study. But they've actually. Um, it's automatic. We will do it. Someone's always going to rise to power. As humans, we okay. always, uh, the, the, the most uh, the most altruistic individual is going to be brought up to a certain level, up into a certain position. And at the end of the day, absolute power corrupts absolutely. Oh, yeah. You know, once you see yourself ruling five people, you're going to say, hmm, how can I rule ten people? And then from there, how can I rule twenty? And at some point, you went from ruling your house to ruling a village. And if you have enough manpower, you're gonna take the village next door. So it's just it's just the natural it's the natural order of things.
0: Yeah, I try to put myself in their shoes. Think about millions of people. You can anything you want, anything you say is done. And, and obviously, you gotta keep them happy with a little revolt. But it's just like the amount of the level of what. I mean, the room we're sitting in here is un- amazing. It's beautiful. This is amazing. And this is they had a, a thousand of these, in their just their palace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With the finest yes. things from around the world. Yes, yes.
1: Did you so? Did you do the tour of Shambhala? Yes. Did you as you're going through it's like it's lavish then yeah. more lavish in all super different lavish.
0: like colors and in uh um silk and gold oh, yeah, different yeah. rooms or different um uh ideas yeah and, uh, and and motifs and stuff yeah. like that yeah different settings so it's unbelievable um and and, and, and
1: also it gives um it talks about the Austrian people you know most of the city here was destroyed during the second world war mm-hmm. they had one of the longest raids of the second world war about three hours long uh they first dropped um uh, what's called air, grenade, air, air mines to rip out the the roofs of, of all the buildings. Then they drop napalm on the city. And then they trapped the uh, air mines again to just destroy whatever was left over. Um, and if you see, uh, there's actually some maps around the city where you can see like a trail of, of, of bombs. Mm-hmm. And um, like the, even the opera house where you were yesterday, that was 80% destroyed. And um, they were able to keep some of the facade and rebuild it exactly to how it looked prior to 1945. And um, and it's just all modern inside, but all of the outside of the building looks just no. how it did hundred years ago.
0: Well, the cathedral too, right? The yeah.
1: whole yeah. side's black, basically. Yeah, yeah. That's From, from all the, the fire. Yeah.
0: yeah, the from fire. The burning. Yeah. yeah that's. It's, and then they what, they got rid of the emperor and all that. In 1918. Who came in here? Was it? Uh, it was World War One. So yeah. So
1: Franz Joseph, he was the last actual Hopper that ruled uh, That ruled here in, uh, in Austria. He passed away in 1960, and they're at the height of the Second World War. And in 1918, um, uh, that was it, I guess. To they resigned, they, they the resignations. Yeah. Who took over again? I'm, I don't remember. That's blank. one part that I haven't been able to learn yet. Uh, it's, I've been
0: so mixed up here between the history and the hanging
1: out and the nightlife and everything to do here that
0: it's like. It's so much. And that's I was in Paris a couple of weeks ago and I was there for a couple of days and I saw the Eiffel Tower, I saw Napoleon's tomb, um, Lord, i was in the cathedral before yeah. notre dame before, no, before it, burned it burned down, down? yes oh my God. but like so i saw that and it was one percent of everything yeah i mean these places in europe are because you know back in the states you're just you know oh, got the modern cool. stuff yeah. but it, it blows your mind it, it does you got to think about it europeans were around a thousand
1: years before they even went to the new world yeah you know the uh columbus didn't set sail until on 1492. Yeah. think about that and they were already sunny you know Five, it's thought that 500 years before that, the Vikings had already been to American yeah. grounds, you know, American shores. So think about it. That was a, at least a 1,000 years well, ago where you had people already navigating the world. Yeah. And we were still uh, running around in loincloths.
0: Yeah. You know. Well, so, then you think but, about uh, the Roman Empire and the Roman Republic, too, yeah. and then the Egyptian em- I mean, it's these, it's a fascinating history. That's why, like, you in know, in school... Like, I never liked history. Yeah. And also you get out of school, you start reading on your own, you start realizing these are people just like us yeah. and what they've done and what mm-hmm. has happened is fascinating. Yeah, it really is. It's, it's unbelievable. It's,
1: it's, I mean, you have to you have to read history. It's not just entertaining. It's just reality. It's what happened. It's, it's how people took over. It's in the, uh, people getting together, great minds saying, we can do this, we can draw that, we can build this. And, and ultimately, look, we still have the remnants. Everything is still here. Everything is still standing. 500 years
0: later, and I love uh, how a lot of the, these buildings took, you know, hundreds of years, and the people that are making them, the Freemasons, free all them people, they weren't even going to see it completed, but they did it for their, their people, and they could see in the future, and it's just, to me, the amount of sacrifice, and a lot of them were like the king said, hey, you build this, but just for them to create this, do not even know they're going to see it, it blows, it's, it's really
1: amazing. So, this is my first European tour, <laughs> but um, have you been to uh, Spain at all?
0: No, but we're going uh, in July. Um, so, they have... Uh, yeah, I've, I've, I've been to Spain, actually. Have you seen the, uh,
1: the the Sagrada Familia, the church? Yes, I have. So, he drew those plans a hundred and something years ago, and the church still isn't going to be completed for another 10, or ten years. He drew the plans. Right now, modern because, technology. Yeah, yeah, because he knew the technology wasn't available. Okay. so he he drew the plan so that they could finish oh. it in, in now in the
0: 2020s that's like da vinci writing up the whole airplane stuff yeah. or whatever he was Helicopter doing the, yeah, yeah 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 man it's unbelievable these people that's, and then we always look back oh they were they, they were stupid uh, they these people are uh, geniuses yeah, it is. It, it, i mean it is. they're they're mind-blowing uh, like, the amount of force they could see oh, and, yeah. and build and and uh you really get a taste of it when you're in europe and you get yeah. to really yeah. be engulfed in it and uh live it
1: but this really reminds me so when i do a lot of now in new york city um um, when we do a lot of events, they're in, uh, in old, uh, old banks, these old buildings, you know, so they were very, like the Canard, uh, I don't know if you guys know the Canard um, uh, shipping fleet. They had a, a, a main office building in Lower Manhattan, right by Battery Park. Huh. So where their ships would come in from England, you know, the, the, the wealthy would come in in and, um, and ships and they would come right into Manhattan Harbor. And now it's the Cipriani's, so they do events there. But these places, these places are unbelievable. They're magnificent. They have uh They look like we're in Europe. You know, you go, you walk in there, and you're stepping a hundred years back, because they they try to keep these places as 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 uh, as uh as true to form as possible. But you know, that these are the same people that were here that uh, or a lot of American wealthy Americans, African Americans, came to study here, and they went back and brought this this type of uh, uh of uh, building and and architecture back home.
0: That's fascinating too. I was uh, I had to check out that Cafe Central where. Uh, uh, was it was Hitler, Trotsky, um, Freud. Um, they were all in the same area at the same time. Yeah. They frequent that co- that cafe shop, mm-hmm. and you're seeing these people that shaped the world, they, not just Europe. The they shaped everything, yeah. and they were all in the same area, Vienna, at the same yeah. time.
1: Yeah. The um, Did you see the um, so behind Franz Joseph's uh, castle? Did you see the little square? Well, not the little square. The two rings that, have, which is now the, the National I Library. The call, I might have went past. So it. you walk through the back. That is the. Uh, the famous picture of where Hitler yeah. stood and gave his speech here during the Second World War they had hundreds of thousands of people there uh, listening to him so they um, he rigged the elections to be able to, to for the Nazi Party to be able to win here and that's where he gave his speech and it's unbelievable you, I've seen that picture
0: hundreds of times and just to be able to walk there and see that stuff it's just mesmerizing Yeah, it's my what um to kinda throw it switch the topic a little bit. Let's if you can speak on it, you know, mm-hmm. the these uh, Met Galas, these parties and the entrepreneur life, do you have these crazy stories of uh, you know things that, that you can speak on? Uh, not <laughs> really, but uh
1: they're just amazing. They're my, those those events, the way they get together, the way they come together, are mind blowing. You have uh tons oh. of different companies. So you have uh, the carpeting crew, the florists, the sound guy, the lighting guy, and everybody working together to make a six hour event. Mm-hmm. You know, so we're working for a week or three days non stop, you know, twenty four hour days. And you have these the people that are running the world basically now, you know, the celebrities, you know, whether they're Instagram influencers or or baseball or fashion, and you have, or, or singing. You have these people come in and even I that I that I see the, the, the back the back of it, back of house, when I see it, when I see what they're doing and what but they're, walk, they're walking on my product, and I still I, I, it still blows my mind, you know? Like, I can't believe we did this. So it's, it's amazing. It's pretty cool. It's, it's the Met Gala is one of the coolest things I've ever seen in my life. But I, I also enjoy the smaller uh, uh, charity events, you know, that they put all these things together, and they, 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 they provide a lot of stuff. Like, I've done, um, uh, just about a month ago, I did uh, Mark Anthony. He owns a charity where they create homes and schools for kids in, uh, in, uh, in, in poor neighborhoods, in poor countries. And uh, he raises funds through this gala that he has every year. He performs. They do uh, silent auctions and stuff like that. And he raises uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars. And um, he now he has a school, I think, in Colombia, Dominican Republic, Puerto Rico, Mexico. So he's trying to build one in, uh, in different Latin American countries to try to build up the, uh, the poor population. You know, you have to remember that in America, at least for the most part, the way out is social media. Like, we've learned that social media is the new... The new the new uh, uh, steel, the new uh, fuel industry, you know? And we can... Somebody could be poor today and come up with something. you got to have a phone. Yeah, exactly. Yo, you have to just have a phone. Look at that kid that... All he does is rate cartoons. Didn't he make like 20 million bucks last year? Like oh, six that's a little old. kid. Yeah. Yeah, he's like seven years old. He made 20 million dollars last year on YouTube. So, you know, that's the way it is now. But in poor countries, education is still the way to go. So, a lot of these uh, charities that I've worked with, they, uh, they emphasize that. They emphasize education and a good, solid base. So that you can go on from
0: there. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, so it's pretty cool.
0: On the basis. Yeah. Well, hey, we're, we'll close down 40 minutes. How about um, some life lessons? What you've learned over your 38 years, an the entrepreneur, the, the psychology, the I mean, now the travel in different places. Kind of shoot our listeners, you know, what, what your life has taken and, and uh, where do you go from here? Uh, I think
1: one of the things that everyone in the world should do, whether you're on a budget or you're affluent, get out of your neighborhood. Leave your neighborhood. Uh, go somewhere where you don't speak the language. See, the world's a lot again. bigger. Oh, yeah. It's bigger than, uh, than Main Street. Yeah. You know, it's bigger than uh, Broadway. So uh, go and go somewhere where you don't know how to ask for the bathroom. And you'll learn to appreciate other cultures. Where you don't know what you're going to eat because you can't read the manual. You know, so you have to uh, socialize with other people and ask them, listen, how can I get somewhere? What do you think I should eat? What do people normally drink here? And that's just the best way to appreciate culture. We're very um, Many of us back home are very uh, closed. We think that... America is actually the trendsetter all over the world, but we're not, you know? It's crazy yeah, how sorry. many
0: Europeans really don't care. They, yeah, yeah, but man. <laughs> we really. think we're this number one, we live in this bubble, but they're just like, Shut America what? Yeah, yeah. America yeah. what,
1: you know? So, yeah, and mm-hmm. they're actually, um, I don't like to talk a lot about politics, but the first thing they always ask me, did you vote for Trump?
0: Oh, yeah. They always the bring problem. up the Trump stuff. Yeah, every single person I met, did
1: you vote for Trump? Did you vote for Trump? So, you know, the, it's. The
0: one thing, you know, you can talk shit all you want about America and everything, but you gotta remember, you uh, know, we yeah, protect Europeans. Yeah, they, like they, we're in Denmark, and their mm-hmm. military is pretty low now. Yeah, and they're well. You know, if anything happens, we got America. you yeah. know, and so you can talk all the crap it's you want, but Big brother, yeah, big brother, you know, but we like, still uh, protect you. Yeah, guys.
1: you know, when you were in middle school, and you, some kid was picking on you, you'd go to your brother and be like, "Hey, take care of this for me," you know. Mm-hmm. And that's what America is. At the end of the day, we are—we're the muscle, and we have to admit it. You know, and and, and people are, people around the world do appreciate it. You know, a lot of times we at home like to criticize that like oh man you're gonna go into another war but a lot of big countries just can't defend themselves and we are known for for that role so you know I, I, I and we do it well sometimes we make mistakes like every big country but but we we're uh, we're an influence everywhere
0: else. and it does prop up our economy i it mean, mean there place factors oh, yeah come on yeah. but uh that's that's fascinating uh, any other quick things I mean you're an interesting person
1: <laughs> I try to be I try to be i try to um, I try to get to know everywhere I go. I like to absorb the culture. So I'm here with uh, 24 other people from the from my program, and I have, I think I've become their unofficial tour guide because I, uh, I stay out most of the day. I, I found this place by mistake. I walk around everywhere. I like to pop into different local bars. That's where you meet people, you know? Um, I like this district here, the first district where we are, but it's too touristy, you know? So I like to go out into further further out and venture and, and eat like locals do. This weekend, I went to a winery, and um, and just, you can get a bottle of wine here for three euros. Yeah. You know, really, really fresh wine, good wine. So, that's how I got to know people. And that's why I tell people all the time, just leave. Get to know people by leaving. Even just meet your, um, look at your friend here. He's, he's uh, from Antigua. You know, he can take you back home one day, and you can learn that culture. You know, he can take you anywhere else. So, and you guys are doing great. You guys are all over Europe. That's amazing. You guys, at some point, when you choose to settle down, no one can throw anything in your faces because yep. you've seen most of it. No, no one's gonna say I've seen it all, but you've seen a lot of it, you know, and that's that, that makes you a better human being overall. Totally, yeah. yeah so.
0: Totally, and it's traveling. It's so, it's so special. You, What's up, Des? You You got one month over here.
1: Whatever, whatever, what are the places that you're looking forward to going to? And so where going? I'm gonna be here for another three weeks, and I'm looking for. I'm a really, really big tennis fan, so hopefully I can get. I already booked an Airbnb in paris about five minutes from the eiffel tower i'm trying to get some uh any listeners out there trying to give away some uh, french open tickets (laughs) hit us up um but that's something i really want to see the french open while i'm here i figured out it's going to be hard for me to be here this time of the year again so i really want to check that out i want to go to paris i have a brother that lives. i'm I'm sorry i want to go to spain the week after that and i just want to check everything out the closest cities germany is a two-hour train right away you have um uh, Chechnya also closed. We have Budapest. So the, everything's a train a train right away. Yeah. Forty Euros will get you there, spend the whole day on your back by midnight. So that's I think every weekend I'm gonna try to hit up a new city and uh just
0: uh suddenly you got the energy for it. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah,
1: just Euro Trip. I don't know if you guys are probably too young to remember that movie, but uh there's a movie called Euro Trip where they just run all over Europe and uh and get to see everything and try to, I wanna just experience as much of it as I can.
0: I think once you, once you get all the routine of the day to day life, you have so much more energy. Everything's new and fresh and it just sh- like shocks you and you're just awake for yeah. it. And it's amazing how much people walk. Yeah. You, yeah? I take like, that, the scooters. You do? And I'm gonna, sh- I'm gonna <laughs> shout out Lime again, but you gotta give us our deal. Otherwise, oh, we're gonna yeah. find another scooter.
1: Oh, yeah, I've been using Lime in California. Everywhere I go, I try to use Lime, man. Which,
0: which yeah. is nice though, they have, uh, Lime's cool because you know, you get to see things. You're not just in a car, you know. But uh, Denmark doesn't have uh, Uber, but Vienna yeah. does, so I've been using uh, the Uber. But this, the scooter is the way to do the it. The scooter is
1: definitely the way to go. This is a very green city, so they have a lot of bike pads, scooter pads. Uh, they allow you to bring your bikes and your scooters onto the trains and the buses. So you can really get to see the bulk of the city in, uh, in one day if you just travel around. So definitely Lime. you know, we're here. Hit them up.
0: Well, that's awesome. Well, it was uh, it was great to meet you. I appreciate you uh, coming on our podcast and great stories. I wish the best for you. I'm I'm happy what you're doing. Hopefully, we can keep in contact and maybe do something down the road. So that'd be cool. That'd be great. Awesome. Well, thanks, guys. And we'll be back. It was a
1: pleasure.